1: Yet I can't look away. This is the business we've chosen. Give me the (laughs) horn! Hey, glad you're with us as we move into the middle of the week. And we welcome you to a Wednesday edition of the Give Me the Honks Chuck podcast. Glad you're here. The Razorbacks getting set to take on Mississippi State Saturday down in Starkville. They'll practice today. Still don't know about K.J. Jefferson. He's day-to-day, and I know people wonder if he's going to be out there, obviously, on Saturday. And I understand that people want an answer now. They want a definitive answer. But this is the sort of injury where day-to-day probably applies more more than it does to a lot of injuries because, you know, when you've had a situation where you've taken a blow to the head, things can change day to day, and it really is a process. And obviously there are things that you have to do during the course of the week in order to be able to play on Saturday, so we're just going to have to wait and see. They're getting work in for the others, I'm certain, but you've got to realize in a situation like this, we may not actually know until they play on Saturday morning. As always, we are brought to you by Weicker Realtors, the Griffin Company, and I want you to know that when I talk about Weicker Realtors, the Griffin Company, I do so from first-hand experience. They've been my partner in buying a home, and they've been my partner in selling a home, and I walked away both times more than satisfied with a service that I'd received. I think that's going to be your experience, too. Whether you're buying or whether you're selling, Weicker Realtors, the Griffin Company, can represent you in a way that I think is going to leave you completely happy. You want a pro on your side of the table, whether you're the buyer or the seller. You want someone that understands the market. You want someone that's been professionally trained. And you want someone that can get you from contract to close. Weikert Realtors, the Griffin Company, has offices in Fayetteville, Springdale, Bentonville. They're in Fort Smith. They're in Branson, Missouri now. You're going to see their yellow signs all over town. You can't miss those. And you can log on to WeikertGriffin.com. I was looking through some of the notes on the Razorback game this weekend, and, you know, this has been a really good series with Mississippi State. Arkansas leads the all-time series, 18 wins to 13 losses with one tie, and they're 8-7 and seven all-time in Starkville. Believe it or not, they'd only played two times prior to Arkansas joining the SEC. They played in 1916, and they played again in 1939. Everything since then has been as members of the Southeastern Conference. There have been some good ones down in Starkville two years ago. You know, Arkansas was owing forever. Mississippi State was ranked 16th in the country. The Razorbacks beat them 21-14. to 14. And I think that let everybody know that we had the right guy in Sam Pittman. Arkansas would lose more than they won that year. But that broke the streak. They won a big game, and they gained a lot of confidence that's carried them over over the last couple of seasons. There have been three overtime games in Starkville. There's been one of those that went into double overtime. And that's the one we're going to focus on today. Arkansas beat Mississippi State 38-31 in double overtime in 2010. DJ Williams was one of the stars on that Razorback team. There were a lot of stars on that Razorback team. DJ was one of the most popular Razorbacks and remains so today. He's built a career in television, and he's obviously decided to make his home in Arkansas. And we're going to talk with DJ about that game right now.
0: You're listening to the Gimme the Hogs Chuck podcast presented by White Curt Realtors, the Griffin Company.
1: Back in 2010, a 13th-ranked Razorback team went into Starkville, Mississippi to take on the 22nd-ranked Bulldogs. It was a chilly night, and what ensued turned into just a classic back-and-forth college football game. Arkansas won at 38-31 in double overtime. Ryan Mallett threw for 305 yards. He had 17 completions. And four of them went to our guest, one of them for a touchdown. Raise your back, great DJ Williams joins us on the program today. DJ, first off, thanks for being with us, and I hope you're doing well.
2: Doing great. I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, that was a, a fun night, a fun game, and uh, and that was just a fun year. 2010 was awesome, yeah. It was, it was a great night in Startville.
1: I can remember just the emotion before the game, being in the radio booth, and you could tell it was a you know, it was going to be one of those nights where it you know, it actually was going to be a hostile environment. I remember they'd had a player who'd passed away and his mother was on the field prior to the game. And when she rang that cowbell, I remember Quinn Grovey and I looked at each other and like, man, this is going to be a tough night. And I, I just wonder what it was like as a player that night with all the emotion that was in the stadium.
2: Uh, I mean, you could definitely tell. I, I remember after that game, I put some up. Book- put something on social media as we were leaving that stadium and just commending them for the way that they played. I mean you could tell it was it was a different team that we saw on tape, you know the effort the second chances, the second effort um just their their grind that night was it was pretty special to watch now it made it tougher for us, obviously we barely got out of there, but um it was pretty cool seeing them honor their fellow teammates by the way that they played it was special.
1: You know, it's interesting you say that because going into the ball but both teams were ranked, but, you know, coming out of the ball game, I think everyone felt like, man, we just won one of the best games. You know, we're going to look back 10, 15 years and say, this was one of the best road wins we got. Was that the feeling among the players?
2: Oh, yeah, it was great. We had a couple of people banged up. Um, we knew what we were um, trying to uh, achieve, and, you know, we needed to – Understand we needed to win a lot of football games from that point on and, and a couple other things to shake out to potentially go to a, a BCS Bowl. Um, and that was the first time that was going to happen in school history. So, you know, we understood a lot was on the line. And um, I remember um, a lot of big plays happened. You know, you can just point out a couple. There was a, an awesome touchdown pass to uh, Jarius Wright um, up the middle that went for at least 60, if I remember, mm-hmm. maybe more. Um, the great uh, play by Tenarius Wright at the end of the game. I mean, it was just a couple plays here and there that we just understood, man, we're, we're doing something special. This is a special football team.
1: Yeah, it had so many playmakers. And you talked about the offensive side and Tank on the defensive side. He wasn't the only one. But it just so, seemed like all over the field, you guys had confidence that if one person didn't make a play, somebody else was going to.
2: Oh, yeah, that happened all the time. Um, I don't think there was ever a time that year um, for that 2010 team that we didn't understand we were just one play away. You know, it's like, come on, Kobe Hamilton. Come on, Greg Childs. Come on, Jarius Wright. Come on, Joe Adams. Come on, now, Davis. I mean, offensively alone, you're just throwing out all these names and, you know, all these players are just exceptional players. Um, in the SEC in the country you know we had the same thing on the defensive side of the ball you know come on Tremaine we need that play come on Jericho Nelson come on give us uh, that stop Jake Beckett Tank Wright Jerry Franklin I mean it was a (laughs) it was a fun team to be a part of and looking back at it we always talk about a few plays here or there that that team really had a shot to win a national championship
1: yeah when you start throwing all those names out there I mean it does kind of you know, bring it back home. That there was so much talent on that team. Obviously, Bobby Petrino was the dominating personality from from a football perspective. But I just wonder, from a teammate perspective, what it was like playing with all that talent, knowing you were good, um, but at the same time, everybody had a big ego and everybody wanted to be part of it all. How did, how did you blend all that together?
2: I mean, I was hashed out in practice. I mean, um, practice was. As bad as it was, um, more the more and more time we spent together and the more years under Petrino practice became so competitive where a game was just like a walk in the park. I mean, there was no team we came across except, you know, Obama and, you know, Auburn that year that we felt, man, these guys are talented and I wouldn't even put Auburn in that category. They just had an amazing player named Cam Newton who won the Heisman that year. But um uh, Besides that, man, there was a team that we would come across where we never felt like we were not prepared because we felt like the best talent we faced was always in practice. And so um, that being said, everyone understood their role. Everyone had high expectations for everyone. You know, it's the type where if I drop a pass or anything like that, I get back to the huddle and the Marcus Love hits me in the chest, you know, and. I don't get mad at him because I'm mad at myself. You know what I mean? We all understand, you know, how talented we were. And, you know, we need to step up and make plays. And as much as people think Petrino barked at us, and he did. Don't let me get you wrong. um, You know, the accountability came from within the team and not so much from the coaching staff. Um, The more and more we got under Petrino's uh, reign at, I would say, University of Arkansas.
1: When you're going on the road, as the Razorbacks are this week, and obviously they'll play other road games too, you guys seem to have such a a, a toughness about you mentally when you traveled on the road. Take us through that and what's required to be a good road football player.
2: Uh, I would say a good road football player is, uh, one, you know, obviously going through your pregame routine, uh, understanding that 100 yards is 100 yards, um, you know, preparation as far as crowd noise, making sure all that's hashed out. But I would say the biggest part is understanding there's always going to be a momentum shift. And it's going to happen, whether it's a, you know, if we fumble on offense or they have a big play on defense or a kickoff return, there's always going to be something that where average teams can't necessarily bounce back from it. But good teams figure out a way to kind of bear down the hatches and just hold on play after play. And eventually you'll get back to a spot where you can uh, be in that football game. And I would say in the past, you know, um, Arkansas respect got to a point to where they were not over they – they weren't able to overcome those humps or those setbacks or that adversity. And watching this team now, I mean, shoot. You saw it at bandlin that third quarter. Um, you saw it, I would say, even at A&M, you know, and uh, it's still a team that when it comes to the mishaps, they can look on tape and understand that we actually had control over that, you know? And so, and we knew we were a team too, that as long as we took care of business, you know, we were kind of in control of the outcome of that game. All we had to do is just keep going and keep going and don't let that one big play from the other team set us back. And, um, we were very good at that. And, uh, no one wavered on the sideline. Uh, the coaches didn't have to tell us to keep your head in the game. We understood, okay, let's just get back to work, do what we do, and we're going to be in a position to win the football game.
1: You know, I've always thought that a good offense, particularly a good offensive line, can control the tempo of the ball game. It always seemed like even, and obviously big plays were a big part of the Razorback offense then, but you guys always seemed like that you were in control of the tempo of the game, and, and – I wonder if 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 you'd kind of compare it now as you watch football um is that one of the things that maybe you look for in an offense.
2: Oh yeah, I mean, we love throwing it. Uh no doubt about it, but I think as much talent as we had on that team at the skill positions like receiver and tight end and all that and quarterback. We I mean, each week we understood, our, we got to get our running backs going. Um now Davis, Dennis Johnson, Ronnie Ringgold, Project Green, I think sometimes people forget that talent's backfield and um we always knew if we could get those guys going, we can control the whole game what we do offensively uh, the tempo defense needs a rest okay let's stay on the field we need to go deep okay they have to respect the run now we can go deep I mean but we understood it started with the run and uh, we had a very talented offensive line that year and I would say the coolest part is just the um, the knowledge that everyone understood within the running game. Um, And the receivers took it serious too. If you go back and look at that team, the downfield blocking from the receivers—I mean, it was such an emphasis in practice that you know they took it serious. They understood if they get that one block, you know, we had guys that could take it the distance. So, as flashy as we were, we understood uh, if we weren't able to run the ball, it was going to be a a long day for us.
1: Hey, I want to ask you about something while I've got you here. Um, In terms of the passing game, the reads that a tight end, in your case, has to make, the reads that a receiver has to make um, when he comes to the line of scrimmage, sometimes even after the ball snapped. Um, Oh, yeah. Tell us us what role that plays in the overall success of the passing game, because as I watch this team, frankly, that's one of the things I wonder about sometimes.
2: Okay, yeah, I mean, it's being able to at least have an idea of what's going to happen before it happens, you know, and... I would say in 2010, if I came to the line of scrimmage and it was a pass play, let's just say third down, there may be two or three different things I would do depending on one, after we get off the snap to see the defensive line, you know, um, see what the linebackers are and the personnel that they have on the field. Two, um, pre-snap reads. Right before the snap, there's always rotation in the secondary depending if the safety moves to the right or left, determines on what I do and the receiver outside of me does. And then you say, hut. And then it could all switch again, depending on the rotation after that, depending if it's man or zone, or if it's, if it's going to be a hot route, you know. And so the the knowledge part, I think a lot of people forget about, but just to have everyone on the same page and having a quarterback like Mallett who understood everything that was coming, and um, it it was pretty special and almost impossible to defend when you have players that can do that. And so sometimes I do look at this offense now times and I sometimes wonder, do they have a lot of options going on pre-snap and post-snap that, you know, changes and dictates what happens of what goes where besides these predetermined, you know, read options from the coach, if that makes any sense. Mm. And so um, that was something we worked hard at, something that was very difficult to pick up. Um, But once you kind of get it figured out, I mean, uh, you saw that first quarter in Alabama, Bryce Young, he was making calls on his own, not even looking to the offensive side of the you know uh, sideline for his coach. He saw what was coming pre-snap from Arkansas, made a call at the line, and threw touchdowns. You know, And that's just impossible to defend when you have quarterbacks who have the capability of doing that. And receivers who understand that.
1: How do teams in the West catch Alabama? How does this happen? I mean, can it happen as long as Saban's there and has it rolling?
2: Man, I don't see it. I mean, what he has built there since he got there was that 2006? He got there somewhere around there. Right. I mean, it's special. I mean, the talent you can, I mean, that 2010 team, yes, we were packed with talent, but I would say almost everyone on that roster was almost from Arkansas. That doesn't happen very often. Have in state talent that good all go to the University of Arkansas. But I mean, just watching those guys, the way they play, um, the way they warm up, I Chuck, I went down there and watched them warm up, and this was when Arkansas was not very good a few years ago, and you would have thought they were preparing for a national championship. They were sweating. They were popping mm. pads. They were hitting hard. They were yelling at each other. I was like, dang, this is just warm-ups. It's just a different mindset and a culture there, and everybody's bought in. and They just keep reloading, and I tell people all the time, we look at these rankings, I'm going to say, outside of the top four teams in the country, everyone else is just playing for fun. I mean rankings don't matter outside of that and what they have built there is special I mean even on their bad days um against a talented team like Arkansas has this year who almost had everything go in their favor they you know the Heisman winner uh getting out of the game they had at least five to six drop passes that I saw that could have went for touchdowns um a messed up snap on a punt a uh Kickoff return, a surprise onside kick, and Arkansas still couldn't keep up. I mean, this team is just, that that program, it is special from top to bottom. And it kind of reminds me a lot of a good friend of Saban's, of Belichick, how he runs his program um, at New England. You know, one, obviously, you need to have forces, but the attention to detail and every single little thing that matters. And, uh, man, he has, has, he has everyone in. We we would you know what it's like going down to Tuscaloosa. I mean, even the uh, grounds person that watches the pylon at the mm-hmm. on the north end zone, he takes that job so serious. I'm like, the, the, it's unreal uh, what Saban has done. No, you're them. right.
1: You're right about that. All so, right, last uh, last question. Your 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 life story's been told many times, but I wonder what post Razorback life has been like for you. I mean, you've built a terrific. Career in television. Everybody in Arkansas watches you. You know who DJ is. You've you've kind of become a brand in that respect. Um, what's life been like for DJ Williams after after football?
2: Man, it's been amazing, and I've been blessed. And um, people ask me all the time when I'm out there, man, do you miss it? I'll be like, man, not really. You know, I just I really love what I've got. I have a career where I literally get to wake up and be myself for a living. And it's amazing. Uh, I remember when I first started, uh, the mental aspect of transitioning from football, football, football to a job, it, it was tough. And I see why a lot of players struggle with that transition. You hear about NFL guys that get out of the league or college guys who get done playing and can't seem to get on their feet or get something going. Um, there is a there is a mindset aspect of it, too. That grind still continues. and. I remember uh, getting into this industry. Um, it, it was tough for me because, you know, when I'm a freshman at U of A or a rookie at Green Bay, I'm looking at Jermichael Finley or, uh, you know, I'm looking at, you know, what Wes Murphy did at Arkansas, trying to learn from the guys who are better than me at that position. You can't do that in television or you come off as someone that you're not. And then the viewers, you know, pick up on it. But I just, just decided to be me and it actually worked out. I've been there eight years and they haven't fired me yet. So I guess it's working out pretty good. But, Beyond that, um, I think if any players at Arkansas are listening, um, or come across this, or players anywhere, you know, I do. I was very aware of, you know, the brand that I represented at the University of Arkansas, the state that I represented, and my family that I represented. It is very important to me to make good decisions. You know, um, I didn't want to be that guy, DWI, that. you, on the newspaper I didn't want to be that guy with drugs doing this, getting arrested and I just was very important for me to keep that good name and my good character because it mattered and I will say um it will pay off you know they say all the time if you go to raise if you go to Arkansas to play football you'll be taking care of of the rest of your life and there is some truth to that as long as you make the right decisions and no sacrifices. And, uh, I mean, you work with plenty of former players who probably understand exactly what I'm saying. Um, And and it's something special, and it's nothing we take for granted. And it's something when people say, man, these people love you. I mean, it's a mutual feeling because, man, I love this whole state. I mean, ever since I moved here from all that mess with my dad and, you know, the struggle that we had, Arkansas was the first place that I actually was able to call home and feel safe. And I feel like I owe so much to the state.
1: DJ, you're a wonderful ambassador for our stay. You're generous with your time, and we appreciate you joining us today. Thank you.
2: No problem, Chuck.
1: Football is back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your football betting needs
0: this season. You'll find the latest odds, matchup info, player news, and game trends, and as your continued source for all sports wagering info, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, live scores, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and events like MLB, MMA, tennis, boxing, and even golf. Head to BetOnline.ag to join and receive your hundred. Percent welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BELIEVE to receive your rewards. That's B L E A V. Bet online, where the game starts. You're listening to the Gimme the Hogs Chuck podcast presented by White Realtors, The Griffin Company.
1: You know, DJ Williams is one of my favorite Razorbacks, and as I've said on this podcast before, and as I've said to a lot of people over the last several years, I've got a soft spot for all those guys that played for Petrino. Number one, because I know what they went through, and number two, because as time has passed, I think that people look back on that era, and they focus almost solely on Bobby Petrino. They focus on Bobby Petrino's coaching ability or the games we won. And certainly he gets the credit as the head coach for everything that happened during that era. But I think sometimes the players get lost in all that discussion. I mean, when DJ was talking about the guys who were on that 2010 team, I mean, those are some of the greatest Razorbacks since the turn of this century. Those are guys that won a lot of football games for us. Those are the guys that provided all of us with thrills that we still talk about. And again, Bobby Petrino gets the credit as the head coach. There's no doubt about that. But sometimes I think when we talk about that era, we talk too much about him and not enough about the players who actually made it possible. And DJ was certainly one of those. He's built a television career, made a life for himself in Arkansas, and I know a lot of people are awfully proud of the person that he's become in the aftermath of playing football for the Razorbacks. All right, we're going to have a lot more when we wrap up the week on Friday. Obviously, the Hogs are going to be traveling that day. It's going to be a pregame edition. We hope you'll make plans to be with us then. We ask that you download the Hit That Line podcast network. That'll allow you to listen to this podcast and all of the podcasts that are part of the Hit That Line podcast network. Like us on Facebook. We're back on Friday. Till then, thanks for listening.
2: Give me an O. Give me a G, Give me an F. What's that spell? Give me the hog. Chuck.
0: <laughs> this podcast has been presented by Bet Online. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently.